If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. We are the brothers, both DMs and players. I'm the one who plays fast and loose with the rules, Travis. And I'm the one who has a bit of a mini meltdown when I can't remember the rules, Jordan. <laughs> Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast, where we are stopping sessions in their tracks with jaws agape for incredible games. Uh, so this is part two of our pre-game checklist episode. Um, so prior, we focused on the players. And now we're going to talk about the DM side of things. This one was a real challenge to distill down to a checklist. How do you distill down being a DM, yeah, a good a... DM, into a succinct checklist? <laughs> There's so much to it. And again, this will be the checklist for now until it's... it grows. <laughs> it's like trying to make a checklist for being a great Renaissance painter. Get a canvas <laughs> and a brush and paint and the rest... <laughs> Um, be the best in the world and i think that that uh, leads very nicely into the disclaimer of we're talking about distilling a very personal process um and like i say arguably an art yeah uh down to a checklist so i doubt we're gonna get a hundred percent oh yeah agreement that's a good point everybody has their own way to dm so yeah this is just our way that we've figured out and we like so well, and the whole point, uh, I think, of this checklist and the reason that you won't find um, anything like uh, use this particular product on this yeah. and this, what is the checklist of things that you can apply to absolutely every game? Right. And like, this is the pregame checklist. So don't bring pencils, but do find, you know, a way to work this into your game. And you're very likely going to have a great game if you try and hit as many of these points as possible. Yeah. And do it in whatever way. In our opinion. <laughs> Throw out your pencil. Um, okay. And I think the, the, the last bit of uh, the assumption is that you are also having the players take care of the things suggested in the player episode. So oh. they're taking care of like music, blah, 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 blah. And then if everyone comes together in just the right way, you're going to have a heck of a day <laughs> playing d d <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so the first uh the first third first big chunk of our checklist here is going to be story so what can a dm do to make a great story every single game the second bit would be all about immersion and how to now that you have a really great story how do you draw your players deeper and really kind of get them hooked on the outcome give them those goosebumps and then finally we have mechanics when you're running the game what do you need to have prepped so that it runs smoothly nice. and you don't have those big old pauses where people start talking about what happened in the weather news? Do people talk about that <laughs> at, at your games? <laughs> Apparently, I have been missing some. I guess you're there. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's jump into story. Okay. This is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So it doesn't matter what kind of story you're telling, again, these will help you have a good time every time. The first point on our checklist is going to be 
distill the conclusion you want to arrive at at the end of the session. Okay, so if we're distilling down where we want to get to, would we not consider that a bit kind of railroady? It seems that way, but if you know where you're trying to get, then you can still let the characters do whatever they want and give them ways to get there. So and it yeah, it keeps things more on track for you as a DM. Some people might still call that railroad. Yeah, I suppose if you're playing a really open world session, but I don't know, to me, those sessions are the hardest to plan. Yeah. Because you have no clue where the players are going. But if you know where you're going to arrive at, yeah, I, I suppose if you just fill in the blanks and that's where you get to kind of work outside of the borders. And let the players, yeah, really shine and do their thing and... But if it's, like you said, if there's no, like you said, if it's totally open world, I'm just improving the entire time and I don't do the greatest full improv sessions. And I think even the best improv DMs <laughs> struggle, especially when, when the world is, is completely open. So yeah. um, I think a subcategory of this checklist item should be create a cliffhanger, create a really compelling mm. cliffhanger that's just juicy and burning the players until their next session. So you got to plan that at the beginning, figure out where your cliffhanger is going to be. And I think that's the only way to do that is to actually have an endpoint for the session. Fair enough. So I think the there's kind of a three-parter next. And I would argue that any good D&D game, I mean, again, if you are a proficient DM, you're going to start breaking the rule. Yeah. So... If you're brand new to DMing and you really want to just make a really well-balanced game that everyone enjoys, uh, prep one combat, one skill challenge, and one social encounter for every single game. And you'll quickly figure out what your group likes more, what they put more time into, and then you can kind of start customizing that. But yeah, like you said, this is a great starting point. And I mean, this is no, like, I think a good comparison to draw here combat skill challenge social encounter the the interplay of those three within every single game mm -hmm. might eventually start to feel a little rudimentary and and boring like to you're doing players. the same thing every time or something like that but we're kind of arguing the point of you know you can go ahead and make an incredible film that breaks genres and breaks all kinds of and wins awards and academy awards um, but there's, I think, a lot of really great TV shows that you can watch and enjoy consistently every time, even though they're not necessarily going to take home any awards. They're just consistent, good, yeah. engaging. And I think that's what is kind of at the heart Those of this checklist. formulaic shows yeah. that keep coming back for more. You know what's going to happen. You know that they're going to have, yeah, there's the going to be the setup and then, oh my God, here's the problem. And then we're going to... And what's have a that? nice happy ending. I feel like there's a great example of a show like that that uh, went off that script in a, in a season and then the show just fell apart. Archer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Archer had a couple of weird missteps. Anyway, A lot of shows fall right. into that. Um, insert great example here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good note. Um, on top of those three, it always helps to have two alternatives to those encounters just to throw in if you need them they don't have to be as fleshed out necessarily but 
it really helps if you you whip through those three encounters or whatever you had planned and then you're sitting there trying to reach that end goal and mm. so just throw in like a one extra skill or social encounter in the form of this guy that you bumped into that's trying to hawk you know a, a really nice necklace at a market and and i try to think of it in terms of i i start with one of the characters in order to build out a side encounter like okay. that so that it might be something that fleshes out a character more. Gotcha. But yeah. yeah, it can be random. It can be anything. And then the other one that I would add would be a success or failure option for each encounter that isn't necessarily going to lead to a ton more story, but has ramifications later on. So, you know, for instance, if Absolutely. it's a, if it's a, uh, say a uh, social encounter, that person's, feelings toward you are going to change one way or another and it's important to know how that's going to affect your players yeah and combat encounters i think that's huge in as well because very often a combat encounter can have the success or fail outcome which is you live or die and after for me after a while i kind of get tired of those stakes so it's really cool to have different stakes in combat encounters fair enough yeah like, give me an example of, of uh, different stakes. Well, in the common encounter I just ran you guys through, um, there was a large creature in a city. So the stakes weren't if you guys live or die, but it was if the creature uh, kills a civilian ah. before you kill it. Because that's the that's the assumption is that most players, at least most of the groups that I've ever played with, they're going to kill the thing or die trying. Yeah. So having those as stakes isn't really useful, but actually having, like you said, kind of... Uh, and if the group's okay with those stakes being lost, then that's an interesting direction to take the game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, fair enough. Cool. Well, I think that about wraps up her story section for now. Yeah. So we're moving on to immersion. Okay, so the first thing that I love to do for immersion would be setting up a soundboard or some kind of track. So that's my first one is audio. I always focus on audio first. Um, So I personally use tabletop audio, but I know you're a big fan of Sirenscape. Yeah, I've recently been discovering Sirenscape, which has a lot of actual Dungeons and Dragons licensed material on it. So I don't think it really matters which you use, it's just that you have... Uh, I find audio to be the first thing that I like you can you've got uh, five different senses and you're going to try and engage each one. But I'm going to go for sound over taste. (laughs) Good call. Lick this. (laughs) Lick this. This is going to (laughs) really this is what you (laughs) I've brought these flavor packets for every scene. This just tastes like beef bullion. (laughs) You're just saving all the flavor packets from your packs of noodles and having us lick them. You fight a giant chicken. Chicken bullion. (laughs) All right. Um, But I agree. If you start with that as a player, it sinks you right into the atmosphere right away. And it makes it so much easier for me to digest what you're throwing at me as the DM. And I don't think they necessarily have to be really complex either. No. Just a good soundboard that at least engages my ears is going to pull me in no matter what. (laughs) The next point is having three descriptors for each environment that the party finds themselves in. So I say you're on ice flows and leave it there. That's not really, I mean, it's good. Not really feeling it yet. I can start to, but if I describe some of those other senses that we were just talking about. 
um like feeling the stinging the stinging of your uh your skin you and i can i see i bring up ice flows because you and i can actually uh feel exact know exactly what it's feel like to have your eyes (laughs) freeze shut because of the moisture because the moisture on your on your eyelashes because you're crying because it's so cold outside (laughs) (laughs) it was awful never live in northern alberta folks um but (laughs) yeah no at least giving that descriptor like you can feel a burning sensation on your skin yeah you can hear the wind whistling so yeah having those three descriptors for every environment and basing each descriptor on a sense you're saying yeah yeah. Generally a good rule of thumb. Or, Some people go by the five senses every time, but I always find it tricky to do that. It's so. a bit much, too. Yeah. Three can, is a good baseline. You know, I, I'm not waiting for you 30 minutes for your, you to finish your sense monologue on every yeah. place. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to taste every place I go as an adventure <laughs> either. We keep coming back to taste, but... <laughs> I think uh, for extra... Um, this is this is actually one that I really love using. Um NPCs are often just faceless people that are just waiting for an adventurer right. to walk through the door. Yeah. And I like for immersion, remember the uh, elven family that was running General Goods Store that you guys went into earlier on in this campaign that actually ended up becoming a bigger point in the story. I didn't intend for that, but I would attribute entirely to having described exactly what the players were, or sorry, what the NPC was in the middle of doing when the adventurers walked in. So in doing so, I had to say, okay, um, I've created this NPC. He's just an elf. He's an elf dude selling stuff. Yeah. Okay, but what's he in the middle of doing? Oh, he's uh, getting his son to help him stock the shelves. Okay. So yep. now all of a sudden it gives a little bit more realism to that NPC because I pre-decided exactly what they were doing. But then it ended up... One of the players actually, <laughs> anyway, no, that was a big story. <laughs> there was infidelity involved and all kinds of weirdness. So, But it let the, the point is it let us, the party members, make a decision about what we could do to interact with that. Yeah. Rather than see a creepy dude just standing in an aisle. <laughs> well, and... Hark, adventurer. Yeah, you just, you get that sense that they have lives too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. What's next? Foreshadowing an element from a future story point. All right. So is this this for every? No, not for every game. Or sorry, every every session. NPC. Just every session is just have yeah. something in there. Um, and if you, I kind of use this one like once I'm finished building an encounter or the session, I kind of look back on it with this in mind and say, is there something I can do work in a future story point? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, no, and I think I think that feeling is one of the best feelings about being a DM. Yeah. When somebody looks back and says, oh, but <laughs> I don't, I think those are really hard won. And the reason it feels so good is because most players don't pick up on them when they happen. That's so true. So you have to like litter them throughout your game. Yeah, so that one gets picked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. one in five games, like, somebody will go, whoa that was from that session and you were alluding to that the whole time but yeah i think you got to do that every single game <laughs> and just find something it could be a uh, it could be a wanted poster it could be a uh yeah you know just those details little flesh out the world and yeah, yeah lead you towards that big bad um what do we got next uh i think the only last thing that we should really kind of focus on i i would say that this is optional but 
create handouts. I always forget to do this. I think this is probably my weakest point about being a DM is that I never create handouts. I never go that extra mile. Um, You made, you recently made all of the rules, uh, the laws of Waterdeep. Yeah, as a handout. That's a cool handout to have. It was kind of made for me in the book, but yeah, like you said, it is a little bit of extra time at the end of all your planning, but it's kind of cool to have something tactile as the players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, whenever it's possible, I I would say just kind of scrub back through the session that you have planned and think, is there something quick and easy that I can throw together? Although if you are on the D&D Reddit at all, you can see that there are a lot of DMs who go to that extra mile of um, staining and coloring and burning the edges of such and such a... I can't believe how much time some people sealing it with wax seals and... (laughs) So cool. I want to hire some of those DMs to be my helper planner okay so that's the final point is hire a dm to be your helper planner. <laughs> i'll make your job real easy um no i think that rounds out our immersion section for yeah. now the ever-growing immersion section okay yeah. on to mechanics mechanics for those that pronounce words <laughs> so what's first on our list of mechanics what i like to do prep one environmental modifier for each location. Um, I don't think this has to be necessarily every time. It's just something to consider. And what I mean by that is something that changes the rules of combat and makes it a little bit more interesting in every... So if we go back to that ice flow thing, you've got a slippery surface. So yeah. the entire place. And then you've also probably with that same example, you've got cold that's attacking your players. Yeah. So not only is it the monster that I'm fighting... It's also the environmental effects that make this particular encounter more interesting than just, say, a straight-up fight on an ice floe. And then all of a sudden, I have an option beyond swing with my sword, and now I can think, oh, if I'm slipping on the ice, maybe I can make the monster slip on the ice. Yeah, true enough. It brings up that more tactics and strategy. Exactly. For a player, I can go, I can use this environment to my advantage because I was just reminded um, through the the previous bit of immersion where we were talking about how cold it is. And now you've also given me tactics and environmental. Yeah, and the only way this can backfire sometimes is when the players figure out how to <laughs> use it to break the entire encounter. If you give one of these with your big bad, for example, like... <laughs> I remember one specific moment where you had a big uh. bad guy... <laughs> <laughs> that was standing on the top of this tower that we'd finally made it up and he was about to give his big monologue and somebody used a spell that could push someone back 10 feet and the bad guy couldn't fly so then i had literally nothing <laughs> i was like what no uh all right <laughs> they're dead they're dead you killed the big bad in one in one single eldritch blast cuz i didn't think about making him able to fly <laughs> Silly me. Uh, So, yeah, environmental modifier. um, Super tall towers. Avoid. Check. (laughs) So for the next one, I think uh, for combat specifically, to kind of add on to the modifiers, is think about um, combat with your hit points. So... Uh, if you've, if this is not your first episode of the show that you're listening to, um, you've heard me talk about like just bundling hit points together. So do things like prep hit points, um, prep a couple of tactics. So this is, uh, the kind of the second one of how combat is run is whatever your, your character is, they don't have, they don't have two options of stay or run away. 
Right. And that's always just the two. It's either I'm getting, I'm killing them and I'm going to fight through to the death or I'm a rational person and I'm going to fight. And then when I get to about uh, a third third of my hit points, I'm going to try and run. Um, But actually having like certain spells that they're going to use. So they're going to use the weaker ones up front and they're just going to go, yeah, I'm just going to lobby. Okay. The the first time I get a big hit, now I'm on my second stage of combat. I'm going to throw hard and heavy my best spells at you are my best abilities and then the third is run away but it might not be as simple as run away it might be a little bit more complex i'm going to call in another wave of bad guys i'm yeah. going to you know whatever the case might be maybe some kind of summoning at that point but yeah it's it helps a lot as the dm to kind of have that broken down before you get into a crazy combat and things go <laughs> totally off the rails so we're talking about how like having a combat every single session might feel a little bit repetitive to players, but I would argue that you can't make a combat feel repetitive if you have done all of these things for your your session. You've got different kinds of tactics for different kinds of creatures. You've got a different environmental modifier. You've got different descriptions. Yeah. Like there's, it's it's going to feel rich and real every single time if steps have been taken for every combat. Absolutely, and if you don't get to all of them, you at least yeah. And I, I think the final one, especially with combat, is it can be combat be avoided? Is this a mindless creature or do they have greater goals than just to kill and eat? That you can work with? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you have that figured out, then the players have a third option of runaway, kill, or bargain. Make them a pot pie, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Sway them with pot pie. <laughs> Or like the uh, quiche in the case of rat creatures in the yes, in the bone series, um, that would always sway. So is that something that you want to make clear to the players somehow at the beginning of the combat? I wouldn't call it out necessarily because I am a little harsh on my players and kind of expect them to to do that to but... try to figure it in yeah. a different way. Yeah, I, I think there's there's ways role playing wise, yeah. especially with what they say or do or. You know, you can always say, you know, they glance over towards a hole in the, like, you can have a player's roll an insight, and if they catch the glance that the monster just gave to a specific hole, now all of a sudden, you know where the monster's nest is, and it has eggs over there, Mm. and now you can, you have another bargaining chip that really doesn't have to be just combat. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up our mechanics section for now. We'll be adding more, but hopefully you take a point or two away and can use those to make your games better. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening again. You came back. Yay. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe this is your first time and you're about to throw down your listening device and (laughs) And smash it. Fury. (laughs) I'm done with podcasts and these two brother idiots have ruined. I'll never listen again. (laughs) to anything <laughs> give me those scissors i'm gonna gouge out my eardrums <laughs> wow um please, yeah please uh help us add to this list yeah actually good point um i don't i think we said at the very beginning there but this isn't complete i don't mm-hmm. think this is complete i think it probably has a lot more work to be done so give us ideas tell us where we went wrong on our social media you can find us at hook and chance at instagram and Twitters and, and Facebook and all of those regular things um, yep. and hookandchance.com for the hub of all of those fun things. True. 
Where can they download the full list? They can download it on our Patreon. Yeah, so check out uh, patreon.com forward slash hook and chance. And always we spell out the word and. <laughs> spell no ampersands in URLs. But uh, yeah, you can always go to that Patreon for all of our stuff for free. Like that's just where we kind of host everything. So feel free to find all of our stuff for free there. Well, uh, thanks again for listening. And play Play great great games! games.